So this morning we're going to continue our series, Don't Just Leave a Legacy, Live, Live a Legacy. And this morning I, I want to talk about living a life that is worthy of being remembered. How do we live a life that is truly worthy of being remembered? I, I love reading about Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. They lived in the 1700s and they left a legacy that... Um, is far beyond, I believe, what they could have ever asked or imagined. Jonathan Edwards was called by God to go into the ministry, and so he, he followed God's call. He became uh, a pastor. And while in ministry, he wrote a lot of uh, pamphlets. He wrote a lot of sermons, and uh, he wrote a lot of books. And he was very influential in the beginning of the Great Awakening. Jonathan and Sarah Edwards had 11 children. And their entire family uh, got engaged in the ministry. That's something I think we miss out on here in the 21st century where, you know, we, we need to serve as a family sometimes. And, and as we're serving, show our children what it means to be a servant of God, investing in other people's lives. And we're going to have a lot of opportunities coming up to do that. So keep your eye out in the bulletin and just become a part of that. Thinking about uh, Jonathan and Sarah Edwards and, and all their children, their 11 children, to serving the Lord together in ministry. They lived a legacy And the measure of their faithfulness can truly be found in those who came after them. Isn't that what it's really about? To live a life in such a way that the people who come after you are changed? Their lives are changed? I found this study by Elizabeth Dodds who... um, basically took research that was done by A.E. Winship in 1900. And, um, and in the list, he made a list of their descendants. And in that list, he goes through all the accomplishments of the people who came after. 1,400 of the Edwards descendants, he made a list um, of their accomplishments. And here are just a few. A hundred lawyers and a dean of a law school, 80 holders of public office, 66 physicians and a dean of medical school, 65 professors of colleges and universities, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, three mayors of large cities, three governors of states, three United States senators, one controller of the United States Treasury, and one vice president of the United States. I mean, that's just a a short list of the 1,400 people they found that were descendants of the Edwards. They lived a legacy, so they, they, they left the legacy far beyond their own accomplishments. Isn't, wouldn't it be kind of sad if, if your life, you lived your life and you had your accomplishments and there it ended. That was it. There was nothing beyond that. You didn't leave anything behind that people could take hold of, apply to their lives, and use in their lives. That's not the case for people who live a legacy. They leave a legacy because of the way they gave their lives to Christ and invested their lives in other people. In this series, what we're doing is we're, we're asking the question, what kind of legacy will you leave? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? Is it going to be lasting? And more than that, honestly, more than that, is it going to echo in eternity? 
In reality, only what's done on this earth for Jesus Christ is going to last. You were baptizing some of the, some of the students today. And I'm thinking of the time I got baptized. I was a young believer in Christ and, and, and my youth pastor, we, I was actually in a youth choir, which is shocking, um, because I never thought I'd be in a youth choir at that point in my life. But everyone was doing it, you know, on the youth group and, and that's a way to get kind of connected. So I kind of jumped in and I did it. And it was a song that said, only what's done for Christ will last. And that, that theme, Echoed in my mind as my youth pastor told me about it. The spiritual leaders around me told me about it. Only what's done for Christ will last. Is your life, is your legacy going to echo in eternity? That's what matters. People who live a legacy leave behind more than stuff. You know, it's almost like whoever dies with the most wins and then you leave it behind for the people after you. So this is about more than just leaving stuff, about leaving money or leaving, um, you you know, property or leaving possessions. It's so much more than that. These people leave behind wisdom and they leave behind truth that impacts the kingdom of God for years and years and years to come. That's what we all should want. That's what we should all desire from our lives. And, And Paul, Paul said, Set this up perfectly. Paul Paul would say in the scriptures, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You follow my example and I'm following his example. And he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. He said this to Timothy. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul's saying, Timothy, I'm going to build into you. I'm going to invest in your life. And then I want you to invest in other people's lives. And so on and so on. I invest in you. You invest in them. Follow my examples. I follow the example of Christ. And keep, keep teaching. Keep sharing wisdom. Keep, keep growing in your face so that people can see it. It should be the hallmark It should be the hallmark of our lives to pass on truth. And a hallmark, we say, we're talking about hallmark. That's the name of our series, Hallmark, right? Don't just leave a legacy, live a legacy. What is a hallmark? It's a distinguishing characteristic. It's it's a specific trait. It's It's a feature of our lives. So what feature... What, what do you want to work on in your life? What, what area of your life would you like to develop that you can pass on to other people? Because, you know, it may be something that where you have a weakness. Maybe you lose your temper too easily. That's something you can work on and you can become a patient person. Two things are going to happen, right? You're going to pass on that patience to your children and the people around you. How to be a patient person when, dif- when difficult things arise in your family, in your community. How, how do you remain patient and calm and not just react in anger? You can show people how to do that, but you can also show them through your actions and working on that how you can turn from one person who was an angry person and now you're a patient person. They're saying, how did that happen through the power of Christ in your life? You become a witness and you train other people through your actions. Ask yourself that question. What characteristics or traits does God need to develop in me that I can then share and pass on to other people? For the next few minutes, here's what I want to do. I want to look at two biblical principles that will help guide you in that decision. 
things you need to work on, things you want to change, how you want to grow. Two biblical principles that principles that will help guide you in that decision. In Psalm 112, verses 1 and 2, we read this. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, right? Who fears the Lord and delights, greatly delights in his commandments, in his word, in what he's trying to teach. He says his descendants will be mighty on the earth and the generation of the upright will be blessed. The generations that come after that kind of person will be mighty, mighty on the earth. They will be strong. They will be vibrant. They will be people who influence. They will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Those generations after you, God will bless. You're passing on a blessing, a, a blessing, an emotional, a spiritual, a physical blessing on those people. So number one, okay, there are our two biblical principles. Number one, first and foremost, to leave a legacy. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to have a relationship with God and you need to have the courage to honor his word. This is really hard. This rest of the sermon, hang on. Okay. We need to have the courage to honor his word. If you have committed yourself to Jesus Christ, if you're saying I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to have the courage. I need to have the courage to honor his word. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, when we gave our lives to Christ and we bowed our heads and we said, you are the Lord of my life. We committed, we committed to live by his word. We committed to live by the word of God. You know, some of you may not have grown up in a perfect household and with your parents, you know, you know, the, the perfect kind of family. And so you don't really, maybe your maybe your dad's not around. Maybe your mom wasn't around or whatever the case may be. But you know what? My dad wasn't around. You know how I learned to be a man? You know how I learned to be a husband and learned to be a father? From the word of God. What better place to learn how to be a man than from God himself? Right? What better place? So we have the word of God. It's the first thing I studied when I gave my life to Christ. I said, I don't know what it means to be a husband. I didn't watch my father be a husband to my mother. I don't know what it is to be a father because I didn't have one hanging. He wasn't around when I was growing up. But I learned that from the word of God. And how much, how much richer can we be? So... Here's the thing. We, when we gave our lives to Christ, we committed to follow the word of God in every area of our lives. So here's my question, if that's the case. Why then do we cave? Why do we cave so easily to the pressures of this world? We bend like a willow in a storm to the, the will of the world around us. So many times as Christians, I'm not just picking on here at Grace Chapel. I'm talking about Christianity in general in the 21st century. We bend like a willow in the wind to every whim that comes along, every social thing, that every cultural change. We just bend like a willow in a storm to its will. And why do we do that? We've committed our lives to Christ. Scripture that is so clear. So, so clear, thou shalt not, whatever scripture, pull it out, so clear, okay, 
is now challenged by not by the world. They always they challenge it anyway. But by believers, it's challenged or it's reinterpreted. Well, that's not what Romans means. That's not what Leviticus means. That's not what this means. That's not what that means. They reinterpret it. So it's challenged or reinterpreted or totally ignored to accommodate our feelings. Well, I feel this is what I think. This is how I feel. Or our, our desires, well, like, this is what you want. So you manipulate the Bible to make sure it says what you want it to say. So we ignore it to accommodate our feelings, desires, and honestly, our false sense of identity. This is who I feel like I am. We, we twist things around. And you gotta, here, let me read you a passage of scripture that you really need to take, we, all of us, really need to take to heart. Isaiah Chapter 5, verses 20 through 23. It says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise. This is how I feel. This is what I think. This is where I I believe. These are my desires. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but deny justice to the innocent. Woe to those. And I just thought, let's look up the word woe. A condition of deep suffering from misfortune, affliction, or grief. Ruinous trouble, calamity. So those who basically make up in their own minds what's right and wrong and challenge God on what they think is right and wrong, that's what woe means. God's word doesn't change. Hear me out. God's word doesn't and will never change to accommodate the shifting sand of our culture. Will not change. Will not accommodate it. Will not move. Will not be budged. It is a stone. It is the cornerstone. It is not moving. And no matter what the culture decides and how it shifts and all the things that are happening, the word of God will not change to accommodate the culture. Our culture, our culture constantly changes and finds our identity and whatever the whims of that culture is at the time. We find our identity in our sexuality. We find our identity in our wealth. We find our identity in our fame. We find our identity in our power. We find our identity in our appearance and how we look. But let me be real clear. The Bible is really clear. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the only place you find your identity is in Christ. That's the only place. Who does God say you are? You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person belonging to God. You're a joint heir. You're a relationship. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All those things that are true. That's where you find your identity. All these other things, shifting sand. Why do you think the culture is so confused and messed up? You have no idea who they are. No idea about their identity. Because they've denied God. And decided for themselves what's right and wrong. And that only harms culture. That only harms the individual. A believer finds their identity only in Christ. Ask yourself, do you believe, do you believe the word of a friend or a family member or a coach or a teacher? Honestly, even a, even a, even a pastor when it comes to social issues. 
Do you believe the word of a friend when it comes to social issues and reject, or like I said before, reinterpret the word of God if it doesn't tell you what you want to hear? This doesn't fit into what I like or I feel good about. So therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore, I'm going to, I'm going to reject, or I'm going to reinterpret the word of God so it fits what I think because I don't like what it's saying. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to have the courage to obey God's word. You need to have the courage to obey the word of God. Living a legacy means living with courage and character. Those words, living a legacy, following Christ means living with courage in whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whatever pressures are on you. And some of you have really a lot of pressure more than others. But whatever that pressure is, you live with courage and you live with character. In Exodus chapter 23 and verse 8, it says, you shall, not ta- you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. The word is filled, the world, my friends, the world is filled, it's filled, okay, with bribes. It's filled with temptations. It's filled with pressure and promises. It, no matter where you go, you're in school. You're under pressure to, to, to adhere to a certain group. They want you to act this way and they want you to treat other people a certain way. Let's torment this person because he's weaker than us. And they push you and they pressure you into doing that. It's a bribe, if you will. They're luring you in with, if you do this, you're accepted by us. That's a bribe or a promise. If you do this, you're going to feel this way. You're going to feel that way. You're going to feel better about this. It's going to feel this or that or the other thing. It's a, or a temptation. It's a temptation. Here's the question. Here's the question. Are you, is your faith, is your character up for sale? I have a friend who spends a lot of time overseas and he does a lot of business overseas. And recently he was in a country and he was around a table of 14, 15 other business people, other leaders in the community. And there was a project that is going to be done in that community. And they want the project to be done in their area. So they had the meeting. They were all talking about the meetings ending and they're all leaving the room. And all of a sudden, one of the, one of the people who's there to kind of help out, one of the underlings slips a, Middle envelope to my friend. And he kind of looks in there. He's wondering, what's this? And he opens it up. $25,000. $25,000 was in that envelope. And he said to the one man, he said, well, well, what's this? He said, oh, that's yours. That's yours. You keep that. You keep it. He said, it, I, for what? Well, no, we just want you to have it. We want you to have this. And you keep it. It's yours. You take it with you. He said, I'm not taking this money with me. It's not my money. I don't need. Why am I getting this money? He knows why he's getting the money. Because those people want to bribe him. When he takes the $25,000, now they've influenced, they've pulled. He's, now he's like, the, he's like the willow blowing in the wind. How, when there's a storm coming, you watch a willow tree and then watch an oak tree. Oak tree may lose a few leaves, but it's strong. He said, no, I'm not taking this money. He gave it back. Why? Because his faith is not up for sale. His character, his integrity, his courage, those things are not for sale. Our character, our courage, our integrity, our, our faith should not be for sale. God calls us to stand for truth regardless of the consequences. If it costs you friendships, it costs you friendships. 
If it costs you money, if it costs you $25,000 when you need that money, it costs you money. Whatever it costs you, you stand. You stand for truth. Regardless, you have to have the courage to stand for truth. Christians have become tame and subdued in the 21st century. It, it, we live like one foot in the world and kind of one foot in the church. We care so much about what other people think. We care so much about what culture thinks that we're afraid to stand up for God's truth. My friends, here is the reality that you need. we all need to hold on to. We all need to live to an audience of one. We need to live to an audience of one. It doesn't matter what the rest of the school thinks. It doesn't matter what the rest of the people at work think. It doesn't matter what the rest of the community thinks. I need to live to an audience of one, not to a crowd. The crowd doesn't influence my decisions. The word of God does. Because I'm going to tell you something. End of your life, it's going to be you laying on your deathbed. And here's what you're going to be thinking. Who am I? What kind of life did I live? And you don't want to be laying there as a man or a woman, an old man or an old woman, thinking I was a kid. Howard, when difficult decisions need to be made, I, I took the easy road. I compromised my integrity. We want, to, we want to be laying, all of us want to be laying on our deathbeds and know who we are because we live to an audience of one throughout our entire lives. We need to, we need to make sure that that's the kind of people that we are. We don't need to care about what everybody else thinks. Here's the problem now in our culture. We refuse to take personal risks as Christians. We've become, I'm going to say it again, tame, weak. We refuse to take personal risks. We refuse to fight the battles that need to be fought. Instead, we follow the world's lead and allow them, allow the world to dictate our destiny. Who we're going to be when we get old and we're lying in that deathbed. The fear of what other people think paralyzes us. It paralyzes us. What if they call me a hater? What if they say I'm intolerant? What does the word of God say? And why does the word of God say? You know why the word of God says what it says? Because it, because God loves you and knows if you follow his word, your life is not going to turn out some heap. It's going to turn out to be exactly the way he designed it to be. He loves every single person. And we push back on culture. We're actually helping and loving other people. It's not loving to just tell people what they want to hear. I mean, try to do that in your own child with your children. Just tell them what they want to hear. Right? Let them do what they want to do. I'm sure it'll all work out. Start that when they're babies and let them for 18 years do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live the way they want to live. Any whim that comes along, let them do it. It'll be, I promise you it'll work out perfectly. Doesn't that sound really dumb? God loves people and he needs his people to stand up for truth and to hold the line on what is true and what is right. We shrink back and allow the enemy constantly to take more and more and more territory. And we just, we just kind of like wimp out and don't stand up for God's truth. David Livingstone was a famous missionary to Africa. And I, I love his quote. He said, I'll go anywhere. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. 
I will go anywhere as long as I'm going forward. We need to have that same never back down kind of attitude. Instead, instead of, instead of being, instead of being Christ-like, instead of standing up for truth and marching forward, what we do in Christianity sometimes is we, we hold our finger up to see which way the political or the social or cultural wind is blowing and then we make a decision. I already can, I already can, t- I can tell you what your worldview is. I can tell you what you think already. I can tell you the way, what you should stand up for already. So can you. It's right there. I don't have to hold my hand up to see which way the political wind is blowing or see what culture is saying now that'll be completely different 25 years from now. I already know where I stand. I'm standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and he doesn't move to accommodate culture. And so I don't either. Because again, at the end of my life, it's going to be me and God. It's going to be me and God and no one else is going to be there. And I will not lay in my bed as an old man and think you were a coward. You were a coward. You said one thing when you were in the pulpit and you lived a different way when you left it. You were a coward. I will not do that. You all know me. I, I, what I say here, I say at home, I say on vacation, I say it doesn't matter where I am because I live to an audience of one. Do I make mistakes? I certainly do and I have a God who forgives me when I ask for forgiveness. But I will be darned if I'm an old man and think about somehow woulda, shoulda, coulda. I don't want to shoulda, coulda anything. I want to do it. I want to know what God calls me to do and I want to live. I want to live according to the legacy that Jesus Christ has given to me. If the culture calls something, if the culture calls something social justice, we all just follow in. Not I take that back. So many people. Just fall in line, even if the word of God is clear, it clear, even if biblical truth clearly dictates otherwise. We abandoned, we abandoned God's justice. We abandoned what God says is justice for a world's definition of social justice. Let me explain something to you. I'm not saying social justice people are evil at all. We talk, people talk about that all the time. But let me explain. I want you to think this through intellectually. True justice doesn't need another word to describe it. God determines what is just and unjust very clearly. God determines what is right and wrong very clearly. God determines what is good and evil very clearly. So if now the, this culture changes and calls something social justice, and it's, oh, social, I, I can't go against that. You can if it goes against the word of God, you can. Justice is justice. It doesn't need another word to describe it. And it is God who determines what's right and wrong, not some individual or group of people who yell real loud. If we're afraid to stand for truth, think about this. How are we ever, how are we ever going to live a legacy there's an old saying, but it's a true saying. And I think if, you, if you've never heard it, you need to write this down. If you won't stand for something, you will fall for anything and be remembered for nothing. If you don't stand for something, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for, if you don't have a foundation, you'll fall for anything. And my friends, you will be remembered for nothing. If we're going to leave a legacy, we need to live, hear my words, with aggressive courage. Aggressive courage. 
If we're going to live a legacy, we need to live with aggressive courage. I, lo- I just love this. I love this. Love this quote. The devil whispered to the warrior. I said to him, you will never, you will never withstand the storm that's coming. That's what the devil whispers to all of us, right? He says, you don't, you, you think you got, you think you're a Christian, whatever. You're never, you're never going to withstand the storm that's coming. The devil says to the warrior, you will never withstand the storm that's coming. And the warrior says back, I am the storm. I am the storm. I am filled with Jesus Christ. I, I have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ flowing through me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Nothing on this planet is more powerful than a person filled with the spirit of the living God. Nothing can stop you. Nothing in creation. This side of the heaven or earth. Nothing. Why? Because God is for me. Who can stand against me? If God is for me, who can stand against me? I am the storm. If you want to, if you want to leave a legacy, you need to live with that relentlessness, that relentless passion. You need, sometimes, we talked about this a couple months ago, sometimes you need to be the thunder, right? Be the thunder. Sometimes you need to be the storm. So that people around you can look at you and say, there's a person I can follow. There's a person who can lead. There's a person I want to be like. They've overcome so much in their lives. There is a leader in our community. That's the person who I will follow all the days of my life. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's how we need to live our lives. The second principle tells us we need to live with conviction. We need to live with conviction so we can lead others to do the same. Thomas Carlyle said this, Conviction is worthless until it can convert itself into daily conduct. In other words, in, in other words, we need to live what we say we believe, or to be really honest with you, I'll be blunt, you don't truly believe it. You need to say what you need to live, what you say you believe, or you don't truly believe it. In Philippians 1.21, Paul says, he says, for to me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live, to live for Christ is to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we know, think about this, think about this really carefully. When we know what we're willing to die for. It helps us and it helps those around us to determine what they're willing to live for. If you understand what you're willing for to me, to me to live as Christ and to die as gain, if you know what you're willing to die for, it helps you and those around you to determine what they're willing to live for. You live your life backwards. Picture yourself on your deathbed. Every single person, picture yourself on your deathbed. Talking to yourself, thinking about your life, thinking about the people around you. What did you leave them? Who were you as a person? What was your, what was your, the hallmark of your life? The determining character, the specific characteristic, that trait. Who, who were you? Be, that's the person that you want to be, and then you live backward. You make sure, like today, if I want to be here, if I want to be in that situation when I get older, I'm going to live that way now and live that way. And that's who I'm going to become. 
For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This generation is surrounded with compromise and moral uncertainty. Surrounded. I mean young adults, not just kids. They're surrounded by compromise. They're surrounded by moral uncertainty. They need, they need, they desperately need a sense of purpose. They need a sense of direction. They need a sense of mission. And they need leaders who are willing to speak the truth and not be wishy-washy. They don't need to hold their finger up to see which way the wind is blowing. They are the storm. They know which way the wind is blowing. They know the truth. And they speak the truth because they live to an audience of one. What do you want to pass on to your children and to your children's children? What do you want to pass on? The goal should be, my friends, the goal should be to leave a heritage, not just an inheritance. They need more than your money and your land and whatever else possessions you have. We need to live and we need to leave a heritage, not just an inheritance. Our children, think about this, our children are messengers that we send to, we are sending to a future that we will never see. Our children and our grandchildren are messengers that we're sending to a future that we will never see. Let's prepare them for that future. Let's prepare them for that future. The harder you get squeezed, the harder the world pushes, the harder you push back. Don't cave. Don't compromise. Hold to the word of God because when you bowed your knee, you didn't bow your knee to a crowd of people. You bowed your knee to a savior, to a God, and that is how you live your life. You live your life to an audience of one. Living a legacy means leaving a foundation that other people can build on. You leave a foundation after your life that other people, your grandchildren, your children, your great-grandchildren, that they can build upon. What foundation, think about this, what foundation are you going to leave For those who follow after you. How are they going to remember us? How is the next generation going to remember us? Think this is so important. As a generation that stood. That stood for God's truth. Stood for God's word with conviction. And without compromise. Or a generation of spiritual cowards. They're going to remember this generation. When they write about this generation, that's what they're going to be asking. Were we the generation that had all this pressure, but we stood on the word of God? We stood with character and integrity. We would not budge. We would not, we would not compromise. We would not let our convictions be ripped from us. Is that, the, is that what they're going to think? Or are they going to think, someone needs to step up because I come from a generation of spiritual cowards. I, for one, will not be in the second category. Nothing else matters to me in my life more than that. I will live. I will live. Sometimes I think, well, we go to church and we we talk about this and we talk about these niceties and whatever else. And it's like it's like some kind of game. Like people get baptized. That's not a game. They gave their lives to Christ. Now they've committed to all of you before you to say, I want you to hold me accountable to live For Jesus Christ. All these things that we talk about. This is no game. And it's all true. God is real. 
God is real. I'm 100% sure there is a God, Jesus Christ is a son. All of what we're talking about is true, but we live it like it's a game. And if it's a game to me, I want to take my ball and go home. I don't want to play. I don't want to play a game. I want to live. I want to live with such passion. I want to live with such aggression. I want to, and I mean courage aggression. I want to live for Jesus Christ in such a way that we, no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens, my children, my grandchildren, you all, all of you, everyone I interact with will say, he stood for truth. He, he, he could not be moved. He could not be moved. Let us not go down as a generation of spiritual cowards. Let us go down as a generation that stood on the word of God first and foremost and would not, could not be moved because we are the storm. Let's pray. Father God, I know, I know this is tough. I know this is hard. It even humbles, it humbles my heart, Lord, so much to even think about preaching Sometimes, because I know this is such a challenge for every single one of us, I include myself. God, we live in a really difficult world. Some people live in a world that's even more difficult than others, and, and they're thinking, how am I going to get through this? And the answer is Jesus Christ. The power of God in your life will get you through any circumstance. God, we claim this morning that we will become the people that you created us to be, that you designed us to be, that you gifted us to be. We pray, dear God, that when tough times come, not only will we be the storm, but we'll be the storm for each other, that we will stand up for truth together, that we will become a hurricane, Lord God, that pushes back against a, a tide that continues to come that we would protect each other, that we would love each other, that we would defend each other, that we would challenge each other, that we would love each other and forgive each other, Lord God, so we can stand together and be the church, be a remnant of people who truly want to follow you with all of their hearts and all their souls and all their mind and all their strength. From now until the day we pass and see you face to face. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. We love you. You're awesome. You're awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.